Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Burgundy Network Podcast with Josh Taylor, HTTR. I had to take a quick halftime break to tell y'all a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain. It is absolutely free, and they give you the creation tools that you need that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast right away with no minimum on listenership, and is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app like I did or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the second half of the episode. What's up, Redskins fans? This is Josh Taylor with the Burgundy Network Podcast, bringing you the second episode of my off-season position evaluation project. That's actually a really long name. I should probably shorten that. But anyways, um, if you checked out my first episode on the tight end position, then I thank you. Uh, If you haven't yet, I highly recommend you do so after this episode so you can get caught up on the tight end spot, especially with Greg Olson making his decision soon. Uh, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone for all the support and positive feedback I've received since getting back to the podcast. Um, And just chasing my vision, and I can't tell you how good it feels to be back doing something that you're passionate about and being able to actually enjoy it again. So definitely appreciate all the support and feedback I got from the first episode. Um, Also, a huge thank you to everyone getting the Twitter account to over a 1,000 followers. You know, I'm not uh, one of those guys that just obsess over follower counts and stuff like that, but it's just awesome to know that Uh, Many people enjoy the tweets and actually pay attention to what I have to say and reply and, you know, interact and stuff like that. So that's probably what I enjoy most about this is just interacting with the fans and hearing uh, feedback and opinions and stuff. Uh, Definitely appreciate that. And to celebrate, I'm going to be doing a t-shirt giveaway for this episode for hitting the thousand followers. So stay tuned till the end of the episode to figure out how you can enter to win that t-shirt. I tweeted out a poll the other day about the shirts. Um, so if you're wondering what they look like, feel free to check out that tweet from a few days ago. Um, there's three options there. They all look pretty sick, but everyone liked the white t-shirts. Kind of like it too. looks pretty clean. But yeah, a lot of awesome things building up and future guests that will be coming on soon, including a guy that actually played at Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow during that quarterback battle. Um, it was actually the center that snapped for uh, Dwayne Haskins. Just a lot of cool things, a lot of awesome opportunities to speak to some people who have some stories that I'm sure we would all like to hear. Uh, But stay tuned because things are cooking and business is booming uh, more than it is for Antonio Brown, that's for sure. But first things first, uh, we need to fix this situation at the cornerback spot and we need to do it fast. You know, last year was a revolving door at the position um, and that was with the addition of just the abysmal season by Josh Norman who was released by the Redskins on Valentine's Day, and we'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. But what exactly was the situation like last year? And I think a revolving door is the perfect way to describe the cornerback spot last season. You know, we had a lot of injuries, including Dunbar himself, who we still are pending to hear how he really feels if he wants to be traded or not. Um, and just a little side note on Dunbar, if we did um, 
want to possibly trade him. The the two spots I could see fitting most, and I tweeted this out the other day, would be the Eagles and the Raiders. The Eagles, because they have two free agent uh, corners that they probably won't be able to keep one of, and they'd like to replace it with some talent. And then also the Raiders, because they have three third-round picks, and that's what I value Dunbar at, and they do need a corner too. If he wants to be traded, we definitely have people who are going to want um, to you know talk with the Redskins about that, but he said he doesn't want to be traded. He just wants to know his spot on the team, so we'll figure that out. Some things to keep an eye on. But outside of that, you know, Josh Norman having his abysmal season and getting benched as the second highest paid corner in the league, may I add, really gave some other guys some opportunities and really forced the Redskins to sign some guys we've, you know, never heard of before. So, you know, signing guys like Danny Johnson, Breon Borders, Aaron Colvin, Cody Sensabal, Dee Delaney, Maurice Smith, Simeon Thomas. I mean, that's just a lot of different names. We had 14 corners on the roster last season. And that's a lot. That's just a lot of pieces that Ron and uh, Del Rio really are going to be sitting down and evaluating. I think position-wise, this might be one of the more complicated for them to really break down and evaluate. Because you heard Ron say he wants to really take a look at tapes of every single player on every single game and just really break it down. There's not much tapes on a lot of these guys, and there's just so many different players. You really got to figure out who fits where and why. You know, one interesting thing to watch was that Kayvon Webster played under Del Rio in Denver. So I think it'd be great for them to both see a familiar face around. You know, Kayvon Webster, he's, he's a pretty good corner. He's been in the league for a little while. So I think having that presence would be something that they might think about. I think Aaron Colvin and Simeon Thomas would be great pieces too. Um, they've both been in the league for a little while now and kind of shown that they can you know, be effective in the defense. But then you got all these young guys like Jimmy Moreland who showed he can be good in the preseason. Had some things he needs to work on uh, during the regular season, but no doubt he can do that. A lot of young guys with question marks like Greg Stroman, Fabian Monroe, Maurice Smith, Jeremy Reeves. But Fabian Monroe showed that he can be effective. You know, three interceptions in, in two straight games down the stretch near the end of the season showed that when he's used where he's effective, that he can really make an impact on this defense. So I'm interested to see what Del Rio would do with a guy like Fabian Monroe and with a young guy like Jimmy Moreland. So I think that's what our situation's like right now. We just have a lot of question marks and a lot of pieces. And we're just kind of looking at the holes we have and saying, will they fit? If not, what's the route we need to go? But Josh Norman kicking off the offseason released and just freeing up a ton of cap space. You know, Paul Richardson joined him soon after. It didn't take long. And freeing up that cap space, the Redskins now have, um, I think we are eighth in the league in available cap space. And if we release Jordan Reed, we will actually jump to sixth. You know, we all knew it needed to be done. We just aren't used to smart business decisions being made. You know, whether if it was Bruce Allen toying with the Trent trade and just the mishandle of just about every situation we've had recently. Um, It was just really refreshing and good to see Ron Rivera come in and just clock in and go to work. Josh Norman being released was a must, even though some people thought that a reunion with him and Ron would do some good to both. But really, it seems like Ron just took the emotion out of things and did what had to be done so that's just good to see and you know he called Josh Norman himself and said hey you know our plan in 2020 is to go on with this defense without you on the roster 
you know, no hard feelings, but business is business. It just is what it is. So now we have all this cap space and where do we go with that? You know, we've talked about the tight end spot and the possibilities, but I really feel like Ron and Del Rio want to concrete this defense and that there's a lot of potential guys out there that we can sign in the free agent market that'll come in and uh, make a big difference. I think the corner spot might be the deepest in the free agent market. And I'm going to tell you why. You have guys like Chris Harris Jr., you know, played with Del Rio in Denver and actually played his best ball there when Del Rio was in Denver. You know, undrafted from Kansas, Super Bowl 50 champ, four-time Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro in 2016. You know, could could there be a, a Del Rio reunion? A lot of talk has Chris Harris possibly going to the Chiefs, and he actually retweeted a tweet about it saying how he would be a good fit in Kansas City. I mean, they just won the Super Bowl. I feel like I would want to be a good fit with the Chiefs. Um, but keep in mind, this isn't Minuski's defense. You know, Del Rio is a highly respected coach, especially on the defensive end. And free agents will want to play for a guy like Del Rio. You know, with Minuski, who the heck wanted to come here besides Landon Collins? And I think there was more to it than that for Landon Collins coming here, you know, with his background with Sean Taylor and stuff. But that that was a huge get for us. But I feel like Del Rio could really reel in some big-name guys and say, hey, you know, this is Ron Rivera in, in uh, Del Rio's team. This isn't the Minuski circus that we're going to be running next year. We mean business. We have a really good defense on paper, and we're trying to bring that on the field, which is something that's been missing. And, you know, even with Chase Young coming in, there's just a lot of pieces on the defense that can really do some damage if we can actually execute it. So I just think free agents will really keep that in mind, look at who we have, and look at what's possible. Your job is a lot easier as a corner or a safety when your front seven is dominant, you know, getting to the quarterback, making mistakes. It just really makes your job easier. Um, but if it's not Chris Harris and if he does end up going to a team like the Chiefs, who do we have? Guys like Byron Jones, who is uh, wanted by the uh, Redskins fan base. You know, reports are that Denver is targeting him heavily. He's their main target. You know, if they miss out on Chris Harris Jr., that is their guy. So it's not going to be easy to, to land a guy like Byron Jones. It would absolutely be an awesome get, and I'm hoping for it. That would probably be my number one um, pick that I would want. But there's there's other people out there that would that would love to compete for Byron Jones. He's a former first-round pick from UConn. He's only 27. He actually holds the unofficial world record for standing long jump at 12 feet 3 inches, which is nuts. You know, he doesn't have the crazy turnover stats, you know, that guys look for. I call the GameCast fans that just go straight to ESPN and say, well, what, he did, what did he do this game? Like, oh, he had no interceptions. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have these forced fumbles. He's not a good corner. And there's a lot of Cowboy fans that are actually doing that right now, which is pretty, pretty silly because uh, he's, he's just phenomenal in his coverage, pass breakups. You know, his stats are the last few seasons have been crazy. So he's been targeted 125 times the last two seasons, only allowed 65 receptions and 806 yards and only five touchdowns. He's had 19 pass breakups. And like I said, he doesn't have those interceptions and, you know, forced fumble stats that, you know, the guys like typically look for and they say, oh, they don't have that. But he is just, a, he's a dominant force. People don't want to throw to him and it shows. I guarantee you Josh Norman allowed 65 catches just this season alone. You know, he's just, he's that coverage guy that you need. He's, he's confidence that, you know, can be brought over to Lane and Collins saying like, I trust who's on the other side, you know, Dunbar, it would just be a great compliment to him 
having someone like that and that whole communication problem that we've been having in the secondary, I think that's going to be gone this year. And I see that we need to put in an elite corner to complement Lane and Collins and Dunbar and whoever else goes over to the free safety spot and just really have a solid group of guys in the secondary that we are missing that big time. And outside of, you know, Byron Jones, there's guys like James Bradbury, um, who a lot of Redskins fans have been talking about recently, you know, Ron Rivera's player with the Panthers, obviously. In his three seasons in the NFL, he's had 279 tackles, three sacks, 47 pass deflections, eight interceptions, and two forced fumbles. So, you know, I said like with Byron Jones, stats aren't always everything. But when you have stats that pop out like that and show that you can make plays and, you know, create turnovers, that's going to definitely help you out a lot. You know, he's just he's another young guy who's only 26, second round pick, and he would just be a great uh, Del Rio project, as I would call it. You know, like he did with Chris Harris Jr., you know, get him into his prime and just really execute his talents and use them the way he needs to be used. And just watching this guy's tapes for 2019, he really impressed me with his coverage, especially playing teams like the Falcons, the Saints, and the Bucks twice a year. You've got Julio, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, like... These are high-powered passing teams. The Falcons were the number one passing offense in the league last year. The Saints, we all know like what, they, what they're what they capable of. And Jameis Winston is just throwing bombs <laughs> in Tampa Bay, whether they're good or bad. But still, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very heavy passing league um, that they're competing with. So it, to me, he was just really impressive. And to me, he's the most likely to come to D.C., not only just because of Ron Rivera, um, but you know, I feel like he'd be one of the cheaper options compared to like Byron Jones and Chris Harris. And I feel like he would just fit the scheme really well. And outside of that, there's, there's teams that are in a, in a rough situation with free agents that could also be playing a huge part in this. I talked about the chiefs, you know, they have Breland and Fuller who we both obviously know. We saw how well they played in the Super Bowl. but the reports are, they're not going to be able to keep both of those. They're going to have to pay Pat Mahomes a ton of money coming up. I don't see that. They want to sign guys like Chris Jones on their team. They they just they're going to be running out of money and I just don't see them keeping both Breland and Fuller. So, is it possible that either of those could come back to DC? I don't see why not. Um and the same with the Eagles, like I said, the they're in the same boat as the Chiefs. Two free agent corners with Darby and Mills and they're probably not going to pay both of them because they're trying to keep as much as that Super Bowl team intact as possible. And then we hear reports that A.J. Bouye might be released by the Jaguars. Are you kidding me? That would be a dream scenario for me. A lot of people don't really know who he is, but if you watched him and Jalen Ramsey, they're the best corner duo in the NFL in the past, I don't know, two, three years for sure before he was traded to the Rams. I would be ecstatic to have A.J. Bouye. He might be my dream pick at corner. You know, A.J. Bouye was one of those guys that, uh, was one of the diamonds that went undrafted. And, you know, he started out with the Texans for three years. And then it just seems like as soon as he went to Jacksonville, he just started to thrive in that system and um, started making plays. And him and him and Jalen Ramsey was just a, a dynamic duo at the cornerback spot. And to me, just watching their games, that whole defense was amazing. But A.J. Boye really stood out to me. I think he kind of got lost in the whole... Jalen Ramsey you know with his personality and how he played but AJ Boye has always been like that quiet guy that just puts his hard hat on and just goes to work and I was just reading a little bit about his story um, you know just going through life in his early years and stuff like that and 
just some of the hardships he overcame, you know, with his mom passing away from cancer and how, you know, on her, on when she was on her deathbed, he said, you know, he promised his dad, like, I'll, I'm going to take care of the family and just step up and be a man. And so it just, it preaches about his, his character and his personality and who he is as a person. And to me, like, that means a lot too, you know, do we have to worry about you off the field? No. And he just makes a ton of plays when he's on the field. So for me, dream scenario would be getting a guy like AJ Boye if the Jaguars were stupid enough to let him go. Um, and like I said, if we miss out on Byron Jones or Chris Harris Jr., or, you know, I think Bradbury's the most likely, but my dream scenario would be to have AJ join. And outside of that, there's two guys that are being really overlooked in the free agency that um, I think should really be getting more uh, attention. And, and one is for sure Logan Ryan. You know, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Patriots, been with the Titans last two seasons, and his career stats are 491 tackles, 11 sacks, 8 forced fumbles, 17 interceptions, and 78 pass deflections in his seven seasons. And in 2019 alone, he had four interceptions and four forced fumbles. Um, so he's just a sneaky good under-the-radar name that can come on the field and create turnovers and uh, just really make an impact. You know, not a lot of people have really been talking about him, but I think he should definitely be getting uh, talked about. And my other guy is Levi Wallace. Um, so he was actually undrafted also from the University of Alabama, and I'm not just picking him because he went to Alabama. But he was a solid piece for the Bills, and he, he still is, and he's a free agent this year. You know, he's only been there for two seasons, so he doesn't have all the stats yet, um, but his, his coverage is locked down. He's been very reliable for them. And he was actually the highest graded rookie corner in 2018. And that was a pretty good corner class. So just think about that. And he went undrafted. Um, but if you watch his tapes and stuff like that, he definitely sticks out because he's just a reliable corner. Doesn't give up a lot of big plays. And he, he does his job. So there's a lot of possibilities. Um, like I said, if I had to make a prediction, I would say Bradbury's the best bet. You know, it'll be really interesting to see what Ron and Del Rio see in their player evaluations when they're taking a look at that corner spot. You know, all those guys I told you that we signed late and they're still on the roster. But there's just a lot of pieces last year. So really, we got to look at what is our needs, you know, who can stay, who should go. And Ron and Del Rio just have a lot of work they need to do to see what all will work out for the defense. There's a lot of young guys in the secondary right now, and we've just got to see if they fit. And if not, who do we replace them with? Is it someone in the draft? And I think that's a big possibility. I think we'll draft one corner. Um, Matt Miller from the Bleacher Report actually has us projected to get Damon Arnett in the third round. Um, Damon Arnett's a six foot one ninety five corner out of Ohio State, played opposite to the side of Akuda, and he actually had better man coverage stats than Akuda did. Um, I guess Akuda just creates more turnovers, so he was more, you know, coveted. He he stood out more, but Arnett is no pushover he is a lockdown corner also so Arnett in main coverage his completion percentage allowed was only 24.4 percent and yards per target was only 3.76 Akuda's was 38.7 completion percentage and 5.35 yards per target so actually it's a pretty good gap between the two I'd say Arnett definitely had a has a better main coverage um than Akuda does. But like I said, Akuda just stands out because, you know, he, he creates more turnovers and he really started to shine in the big games and towards the end of the season. But breaking down Arnett, you know, like I said, his pros is definitely his man coverage is top notch. He's very fluid and he's just suffocating to the receivers with his press coverage. 
He anticipates routes and breaks and just adjusts really well to that. Um, he plays the ball very well and is active with his hands for pass breakups, especially in the red zone, you know, like corner fades and stuff like that. I uh, saw that a lot on tape, so that stuck out a good bit to me. He's going to translate very well to the NFL because Ohio State's defense is complicated and because of the schemes they run. You know, once again, Akuda, number one corner in the draft, a lot of people are looking at him, and I think Arnett should be getting that same kind of look. You know, the Ohio State's defense just really prepares you for the NFL, so I'm excited to see what he could do. Um, the cons for him would be that he could be better in run support, you know, with his pursuit, especially on the outside and stuff like that. Um, his press is good, but uh, it kind of cuts his interception rate just due to playing the pass, you know, break up, you know, his back towards the ball. And um, I think the one thing I'm really looking forward to for him in the NFL is just translating it and playing with his, you know, not playing with his back to the ball, but kind of playing the ball. You know, one thing I heard Jerry Judy talk about, you know, as a receiver and, you know, saying like how guys usually defend other receivers is watching their eyes because their eyes will get big when the ball is coming their way. Watch, you know, when their hands go up. One thing that makes Jerry Judy dynamic is he really controls his face. That's something you really don't think about a lot, but as a receiver, you just have a flat face and you're quick with your hands to where the defender doesn't really know when the pass is coming to you. A guy like Arnett, I just want to see him play the receiver more. You know, take a look at his, you know, his actions with his hands and his face, you know, anticipate passes and be able to turn and make plays on the ball and not just, you know, play your back towards the ball making pass breakups because as we all know, in the NFL, if you're playing with your back to the ball and you're just throwing your hands up, it's going to get called every time. The 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 ruling on the the uh, pass interference these days has just been thrown out the window. Nobody knows what to expect anymore. So that's what I want to see out of him is just playing the ball more. And I think he definitely could. I think that's something Del Rio would work on him, uh, work with him on, and create more turnovers. And if he does that, he would definitely be a top corner option for us. Um, his comp was actually compared to Kyle Fuller, so brother of Kendall, both Virginia Tech guys. If you told that to a scout, I think they would be completely happy drafting Arnett if he turned out to be like a Kyle Fuller. And then outside of Arnett, if he's not available in the third, if he doesn't fall to us like we're hoping he would, um, there's guys like Bryce Hall that might fall to the third because of his injury. You know, local UVA guy, six foot one, 200 pounds, he's tall. Um, pretty lengthy. I just really enjoyed watching him throughout his career at UVA. You know, living in Charlottesville and seeing a lot of UVA games, he was he was definitely one of the top corners in college. Um, not talked about enough. You know, he gets you know you play at a school like UVA, and sometimes you can kind of get forgotten about. But he definitely deserves the credit and the uh, national attention. But he's willing to just help out the team anywhere possible. So he actually got hurt um, on special teams and UVA fans were just irate. They're like, why is our best defender, you know, Bryce Hall playing on special teams? And he's like, why not? Like, if I can contribute and make a difference on special teams, I'm absolutely going to do it. Like, there's nothing that makes me better than special teams. So just, you know, he's a great leader, has high football IQ. And he's just willing to do whatever it takes to help out the team. And his pros is that he has exceptional ball skills. He's a really good tackler. He's quick in pursuit, especially on the run and just cutting off the perimeter. Um, and he's a, Like I said, he's a great leader and just has a high football IQ. And um, he could translate very well to the NFL. His cons was that ankle injury. It kept him out for like half the season. Um, and his man coverage, he, you know, he's more of a zone concept defender in the NFL. Some people said they might even like move him to safety because of that. 
but I think he would be a great corner, and I'm really not too worried about the ankle injury. I think he's going to heal up just fine. Um, and an uh, interesting comp that I saw for him uh, floating around was James Bradbury. So if we miss out on Bradbury, we can draft his replacement possibly and uh, keep Bryce Hall in the DMV. But if we miss out on those two guys in the third round and decide to go somewhere else, whether it's wide receiver or tight end, you know, the possibilities are endless for us in the third round. But if Arnett's there, I think we should definitely take a look at him. You know, Bryce Hall is intriguing. There might be some other better players available for the Redskins that would fit more, like a K.J. Hill, possibly, or a tight end, um, like Harrison Bryant, like I talked about on the tight end podcast. But if we miss out on those two guys in the third round and we go somewhere else, what's it look like for our two picks in the fourth round? You know, if we miss out on those, we still have some talent floating around in the fourth round if they fall to us. And really, there's just two or three guys that I would keep an eye on to possibly go in the fourth, maybe the fifth. I would say Troy Pride Jr. out of Notre Dame and Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback in Baltimore, but the the cornerback out of uh, Nebraska would be possible fourth round picks and uh, Terrell Burgess out of Utah in the fifth round, possibly. So Terrell Burgess, he's just one of those guys that... He's under a lot of people's radar, you know, he's not a well-known guy, but he played on a very stout secondary for Utah. Great defense out of Utah, and um, he was just a really good corner piece. There's another corner in the draft this year out of Utah, so a lot of good guys out there that you just don't really know about. But Troy Pride Jr. could definitely be an option for us in the fourth round Five foot eleven senior from Notre Dame, uh, who just he really stood out at the Senior Bowl. You know, all week at practice and then at the game, he definitely increased his stock a little bit. But I think he could still be available there in the fourth round. His pros would be that he's an outside corner uh, who's just overall really athletic. Um, He's best in the zone because of his ability to use his length and his instincts to disrupt the passing game. He has great ball skills. Um, he's not panicking. He just sticks with it and just makes the big plays. He can read the ball really well. And, um, he just has that ball hawk factor to him and he doesn't freak out and he doesn't like get beat often. He just, he knows where he's supposed to be and he just does his job. Um, cons with that he could be a better tackler in zone coverage, you know, especially like across the middle, stuff like that. And he could be more aggressive and there's not much more to it honestly I think his run support could be better but he could definitely make up for it with his uh, skills in the passing game so he's he's definitely someone that's on my radar and then Lamar Jackson he was someone I started paying attention to a lot um, before during and after the senior bowl because I heard his name quite a bit and I was like maybe I should keep paying attention to this guy because the Redskins need some corners Um, he's a 6-2 senior out of Nebraska very lengthy. He was probably the tallest and lengthiest corner in this draft. I just think his height and his length will translate well to the NFL because you do have these big, tall possession receivers. Yeah, you have speed, but then you have guys like Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, that um, he can make make a difference in a game like that, especially in the red zone. You want those 50-50 balls, and that's actually one of his pros. So he's a great athlete, uh, great length first corner, solid and willing tackler in the run game, especially as a wrap-up tackler on the perimeter. And his length, I put, is a huge plus in the red zone with 50-50 balls. And when a wide receiver gets a step on him, he's able to recover easier because of his length and just keep in stride with them. The cons for him would be that he doesn't play inside very well. 
and could struggle against small, fast receivers that could beat him with breaks underneath. So maybe like Fabian Moreau isn't the best inside. We've seen him thrive more on the outside. I'd say that's a good, um, com- like a, a good comparison for him. Uh, but once again, if you know how to play him, he could be a huge factor, especially you know if you get him in the fourth round. I think he would be a great get for the Redskins. Uh, but this draft will really just depend greatly on who we keep, who we bring in as a free agent, and to me, the biggest factor is going to be who will be available when it's our time to pick. So if we come around and Arnett's there, do we pull the trigger on a guy like that who can have a great NFL career? And if he's not there, are we going to kind of wait for the fourth round to say, hey, let's see if uh, Troy Pride Jr. or Lamar Jackson will be available in the fourth round? You know, even if we get a guy like Bradbury or Jones or A.J. Boyer or whoever, I think it would still be good to bring in another solid corner. I feel like we just have a bunch of, I wouldn't like to say random pieces, but I think that's what I would call it, a bunch of just random pieces that we were just filling needs at the time. Just, you know, another guy out and put another guy in. Another guy's hurt, put another guy in. And I think we need more stability, so adding depth. Um, But I think guys like Fabian um, and Jimmy Moreland will definitely have spots on our teams. And we have more packages um, that we're going to be rotating with Del Rio. So um, that's just something to keep an eye on. But there's going to be a huge game plan for the draft. And that depends greatly on the free agency. So we'll keep an eye on that. But as the draft goes on, it's it's all strategy. If you don't get your guy now, is he going to be there later? And the biggest thing is, what's the gap from a guy like Arnett to Pride and Jackson? You know, is it worth the risk and just hoping that those guys are available in the fourth and waiting for that? Or do you just lock in your guy Arnett in the third and kind of pass up other guys like KJ Hill or uh, Antonio uh, Gandhi-Galding, stuff like that, just receivers that could come in or your tight end that you're looking for? So there's there's a lot of questions that will be answered as we get closer to the draft, you know, especially, like I said, with Greg Olson making his decisions soon. What is our biggest need going into the draft? You know, we still have the combine coming up. We still have free agency before the draft. But and I really just wanted to do this project to get everybody ready and know what to watch for and what to keep an eye on. So when, you know, we do miss out on a guy like Hooper or Olsen, then we need to look towards the draft and who to look for, when, why. And it's like it's just a chess game at this point. You know, if you miss out on one, then you kind of have to adjust, make new moves and get in the right spot. Um, But definitely want to keep an eye on everything. But as we get closer, as always, I will be keeping you all up to date on Twitter at Berg Network Pod if you don't follow me already. And once again, just a huge thank you uh, to everyone for reaching 1K followers. And like I said, to celebrate, I'm going to be doing a t-shirt giveaway. All you have to do is retweet the episode tweet that I like to drop or just go over to Apple Podcast and leave a review on there about the podcast. And I will announce the winner of that next week on that episode. So like I said, look at Twitter to see what those t-shirts look like. If you want me to send you a message or you want to pick a different color or whatever, let me know because I can definitely adjust it for you. But as always, feel free to reach out to me. Tell me who you would love for us to sign, what you think the most realistic is, and what your predictions that the corner spot will look like um, come training camp time when we start cutting players down. For next week, I'm not 100% 
set on which position I'm going to be doing yet. So if you have any recommendations, if there's a position that you were just dying to hear about or one that you have just been thinking about for a long time now and you just want me to help put it together for you, let me know. Send me some recommendations. If not, I'm just going to drop it next week, not have any clues as to what it's going to be. It's just going to be a surprise. Um, So definitely subscribe on your podcast platforms so you know when to listen. Definitely appreciate everybody that has been supportive up to this time. And I will see you next week, as always, with more evaluations and predictions. HTTR. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.